season that we're in. Uh, Ty brought in his, his crew and they painted a bunch of stuff just downstairs and it's like, and it, it looks really cool. So now that's the, and that's what, so, um, I'm stuttering. It's high, so he brought in these painters and they painted the downstairs. Many of you don't even know what it looks like downstairs. But it's a space that can be great for kids and we're heading that direction. And it's going to be, so we're really grateful for him for bringing in a crew and doing that for three days. And then Ethan in the back, um, he was here like super late just getting some lights going. We had lights that were just like not, they were not in a good space. And we had to kind of do some painting and fixing. And, and he was, came in here and he, and he installed them, um, which is super great. So just can we just thank those guys like Ty and Ethan, man. I, I know we're all about praising Jesus and the gospel, right? But we can, it's okay to like, you know, just have a word of encouragement and thanks to people who are just helping us out. And so I want to thank you guys for helping. It's a lot, it's a lot of work. I mean, I saw just Ethan in particular, man. That dude was here for like, you know, showed up like at 10-ish and then he wasn't gone until like 8 p.m. So it was, he put in a day so that we can actually see. And I was telling him, dude, you have no idea. We have been months, and I have not been able to see the Bible or my notes, and it, is, it feels really, it's a really interesting feeling to be able to see the notes, so I really appreciate that. Um, so you guys have a bulletin, and there's some things coming up that we want you to be aware of. We have things on our website. One of, one of the events coming up is a marriage conference. It's Marriage Matters. You can pay right on there. I want to invite all of you guys uh, to participate in that. It's, it's going to be really good. Jim Cofield will come out along with his wife, and we're inviting other churches and other 829 churches to, to sign up and, and come on down. So there's other local church pastors I've been talking to, and they're interested in bringing some of their people. And we are going to cap it off. Um, I mean, we're limited in what we could fit here, so just, just fair warning. We, but we want you guys to participate. Now, you can also serve in some ways, and we'll, we'll make those, those ways available to you as we move forward. Uh, we'll make those pathways as clear as we can and communicate them to you. But uh, I want to just tell you, look, if you, um, you know that marriage matters, I want to encourage every one of you just to sign up for this. It'll be good stuff. Um, secondly, there's the kids drop-off. The information's right there. If there's anything, any questions you have, you can ask Amy, our, our team leader of Twigs. Pastor's Coffee will be coming up. If you know people, look, if you've been a part of us for a while, but you are know people or meeting people that are newer, look, encourage them to come to Pastor's Coffee. It's a time for them to get to know us a little bit, ask questions they have. It's an hour long. It'll be right in that room. The date's right there, July 28th, 6.30 p.m. Uh, so those are the things that I just wanted to address this morning. Let me pray for us, and we're going to get into the scriptures this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for just your the way you have lavished your love upon us through the Son. We recognize and confess that it was our sin to put Jesus on the cross, the sin of the world, but ours as well. It is so easy to, to think lightly of my sin, Lord, of our sin, but it is not a light thing. Sin is a terrible thing, and it cost everything. And so, Father, we, we look to you and we recognize that it is only because of the good news of the gospel that we could be made holy because Jesus stands in our place. That we can be washed clean because of his blood that was shed. That there could be no, there will be no wrath poured on us because it was poured on the Son on the cross. And Father, these are great gifts. And this is good news for us. And it is good news for those who do not know you but need to hear the good news of the gospel. I pray for anyone here, Father, who may even possibly think they know you but does not know you. Maybe, maybe their lips honor you but their heart is far from you. I would plead with you, Father, to change their heart. We confess that it is you and you alone that changes the heart. We pray that you would change that person's heart. Lord, keep sanctifying us. Keep changing our heart to be more in step with your spirit. We know we were told to walk by the spirit. Father, I pray that you would help us and aid us. Lord, I pray that your word would just do the miraculous work that it does. Change us, transform us, guide us, lead us. Lord, may we just love you more and more. Father, let there be no hidden thing in our heart. There is nothing hidden from you. 
And many times we are not aware of our own mess and muff, but you know, you know it and you are aware of it. So we plead and ask for your help this morning. And so Lord, protect me. Let no untrue word come out of my mouth from this sacred desk that we stand before week in and week out. We pray for those that were not with us today, Lord, well, no matter what the reason is, Lord, implant in all of our people's hearts a longing to be in your presence and among your people, to not neglect the gathering and the worship of your people. Oh, how we desperately need to be in your presence and along with the community, the community and the communion of the saints. Oh, Lord, remind us of these amazing truths in Christ's name. Amen. Hey, if you want to know where we're going to be this morning, you can turn to Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15. Matthew 15. We have been in a series called The Disciple Maker. This is about, uh, we're in the Gospel of Matthew, and uh, uh, Jesus it just is coming out loud and clear that he, is, he makes disciples, and we're addressing some issues related to that. Jesus does a, number, a lot of teaching and instruction and guiding and showing his disciples how to follow him in the Gospel of Matthew, and he, he teaches and he guides and he instructs us how to follow him. Uh, and this morning, we're going to see more of that unpacked here this morning. Now, I want to share a little story about how I got my first exposure into uh, a missions trip, or um, it wasn't vocational ministry at the time, it was just missions. And I learned a tradition of missions, I think, that was really helpful and intriguing to me. It was helpful, it guided me, it instructed me, and I will just say this, that it was a tradition of how to do it. It was a way to do it. It was a model, and not the only way. But I got this amazing letter in the mail. This really amazing letter just said, hey. It didn't start with the word hey, by the way. But essentially said, hey. Hey, young person. Look, we need someone um, to do a couple things. You know, we want them to go on a missions trip with us. And we need a particular weight to fit this bill. So the requirements are that you have to be a Christian. You have to love Jesus. You have to be willing to submit to authority and learn how to help us and to be helpful to us. You will get to, number one, enjoy the sport that you love so much. But number two, you will get to share the good news of the gospel with us. If you make this way, you can submit to authority and you're willing to come with us. And I was really excited. I read that letter. I was so excited. I contacted them right away, and I said, man, I can make that wait. I'd love to be on that team. I'd love to share the gospel. And what they did is they flew every one of us out to, um, to Colorado, and they said the first week is, is just training. We're going to teach you how to share the gospel with other people, with people that don't know the great name of Jesus. And we're going to train you how to share your testimony. And we're going to coach you. We're going to give you high-level coaching in your athletic sport. You're going to be coached by Olympians and uh, even someone who's coaching the Olympic team right now. And you're going to take that sport and you're going to build relationships with people that are not Christians. And it's going to be interesting. It'll be dangerous and you have to be okay with this because we're going to a world that just, had a, uh, uh, that just had a civil war. But we believe that we can reach them. We can, we can reach this population of people, the gospel, by going in a little bit covertly with this sport and honestly with the truth of the gospel. We'll have Bible studies, and you will share your story. So then they trained us physically, and then they also trained us how to share our testimony. And it was very basic things, like, hey, here's how you tell your story. You know, we're going we're gonna, to um, give everyone the opportunity to share that story publicly at these events that we'll have, at tournaments, and then we're going to invite them into Bible studies during the week, and we'll have meals with people, and, and we believe people will come. So this, so they gave us all this training. This is how you share the gospel. It starts with, you know, who you were before Christ. And then we want you to talk about what, what it, how Jesus stepped in and rescued you and saved you. And then I want you, they're going to be able to, you're going to learn how to share what your new life looks like and what Jesus has been doing in your life. We want you to share those three things. And here's scripture, 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 pray, pray, pray. And what they did is they showed me a model. Now what happens what happened to me and what happens to you, I presume, is that when you have those type of great experiences, and you know what, we shared the gospel with all kinds of people, I learned this, you know, um, 
campus crusade model of how to share the gospel. I learned, and I learned a tradition. And basically, when I, as I started growing and maturing in Christ, I began to think, it, would be, it was really easy to think, this must be the best and the only way to share the gospel among these people. And these must be the only kind of people that you can reach. Now, that's very extreme. But what I'm telling you is this, that there can be really good things that we buy into and experience, and we can get so locked into this is the way it done, is done that we get locked into believing that that tradition is the only way to do Christianity. It's if you do A, B, and C, and they were all good things. And I would teach you those same things that I learned today. I would teach you how to share the testimony. There's a lot of other ways to do that. And there's a lot of ways. There's a lot of methodology of how you could teach the Bible and how you can learn and study scriptures. And we could do, we could do a lot of different things. But it's really tempting to learn a tradition of some sort, even from a Christian perspective, and treat it as if it is gospel. And treat it as if this is the only way Christianity works. One of the things that we will see in this particular area of the gospel is we will see Jesus have this really harsh interaction with the religious people of his day. And what he's going to do is he's going to instruct his disciples along the way as he interacts with these religious people, namely the Pharisees and other religious people. And he's te not only is he going to interact with them, but he's going to instruct his very disciples. So listen to the word of God. You will see tradition come out. You will see a people who believe this is the only way it is to be done. And you will see a massive problem with that. And we will unpack that as we go along. Listen to the scriptures. Then the Pharisees and the scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. He answered them. And why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God commanded, honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, if anyone tells his father or his mother what you ha would have gained from me is given to God, he need not honor his father so for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God. You hypocrites. Well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrine the commandments of men. And he called the people to him, and he said to them, Hear and understand. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth that defiles a person. When the disciples came and said to him, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard that, this saying? He answered, every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be rooted up. Let them alone. They are blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into the, a pit. But Peter said to him, explain the parable to us. And he said, are you also still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander, these are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. The word of God. Now it's important as you know, first look at that text and you're reading through it and you hear the story. Well, we're going to actually walk through it just a little bit so we have some, maybe some understanding of what's happening here. Well, some of the first things we see are the fact that the, the group is the religious leaders of the day, and we have heard them come up over and over again. It's the Pharisees and the scribes. In fact, we know from earlier in the book that it has come about that they are so angry with Jesus that they have already begun to scheme how they will destroy him. Now, notice where they come from. It's actually really important. When you're reading the Gospel of Matthew, there's, there's a couple things that you kind of have to take note of as you're reading it, as you read it as a whole, really. One of the things you have to notice is that 
Matthew is really assuming that a lot of the people that would be reading or hearing this have an incredible amount of Jewish background and understanding. So some of the things that are said here are not like written, written explicitly right here. But the people in their context understood full well what they're talking about. And one of the things that they would just understand right from the get-go is, oh man, they came from Jerusalem. You see, J Jerusalem is headquarters for where the religious establishment is got its fort. It's like saying the principal's office is coming to our home. It's like saying that Washington, D.C. is coming to California. I don't know who know how that would work, you know. I'm not a political scientist, but I, do, I have some idea. I live, I'm an American, I understand. But D.C. is coming with its crew to kind of deal with something over here on a, on a smaller level. The principal's office. You know, the CEO and the board are coming to your house and your staff, and they're going to have to deal with whatever. What, what we see right here, first and foremost, is we see these, these high-level guys coming to Jesus to examine and deal with this troublemaker who has done, who's made a lot of trouble. Killing people, eating, working on the Sabbath, all kinds of interesting things have gone on. And they're coming to, to not only just investigate, but they're coming to question him harshly. Now see if you can see the, the question behind the question. Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? Now notice as you read that, that it's not, they're not addressing the scriptures. Why do your disciples, Jesus, why do your guys not wash their hands? Now, you wouldn't think you needed a lot of instruction on how to wash your hands. But you've got to ask yourself, where in the world is this coming from? Is it coming from the law of God in some sense? It's actually not what, what's in mind here at all. Because what they're talking about is the traditions of the elders. And the listeners or the readers, they understood that this came from other types of books. I'm just going to call it commentary. I'm going to call it a tradition book. It's not scripture, but it's other books other than scriptures, okay? And they're asking, why is it that your guys do not hold to the traditions of hand washing? Now, in those books, in those books are detailed in, in a lot of ways by the rabbis of their day of how to handle and apply the believing life, the one who follows God, the one who follows Torah, the scriptures. And so there's, these, there's these, all these writings, and one of them is how you, what you do with your hands when prepping to do something like, like eat. And so they're asking that question. They see that Jesus, and Jesus being a rebel, excuse me, and his disciples are being a rebel from their perspective. But then Jesus asks this question back on them, knowing that they're not addressing Scripture but addressing this tradition. Well, they did not wash their hands. In verse 3, he answered them, why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? Now, when you first read this commandment of God, it's a little bit murky, perhaps. Maybe you know it. Maybe you get it right away. But it might be just a little bit murky. I want to just help us understand where, what commandment Jesus is speaking about. Because what he's going to do is he's actually going to address two aspects, two different scriptures on the matter of the commandment to honor your mother and your father. Now you've heard it read, you've heard it said, you've seen it, you've recited it. One of the commands of God brought from Moses to the people of God, to honor your mother and your father. The scriptures say that. In addition, Jesus will quote another section that says, anyone who reviles mother and father should be put to death. Just read it. Honor father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. That's what the scriptures say. It's commanded by God in the Old Testament to put someone to death for reviling mother and father. It's a very serious offense. It shows you how serious God takes uh, the institution of marriage, fatherhood, motherhood, how they and uh, and really applies how they were to um, honor mother and father. 
Now understand this, when Moses came down with the scriptures and he's telling all this, this crowd about the commands of God and saying to honor mother and father, he's talking to a mixed group. It's not just kids, it's adults with parents who are old. How in the world does an old, older adult honor their mother and father? Now, one of the clues to helping us understand this is just looking at the New Testament just for a moment. In the book of Ephesians, in chapter 6, you could turn there, you could read it later. It's a very short, just little expression where Paul is instructing. He's applying the Old Testament right before the people of God, and he's interpreting the Old Testament. And he's saying, honor children, obey your parents and Lord, for this is right. This is a command with a promise. It will go with you in the land. You will, you will live long. So those two things. It will go well with you and you will live long in the land. He tells children, it's directed at children, to obey their parents in the Lord, for this is right. The child is to honor mother and father by obeying them. But the adult, how do they honor, do they obey mother and father when they move out of the home with their mother and father? And then they have their own uh, marriage and children? What are they to do? Honoring an older, your, your mother and father, and is, one of the easiest ways to honor them is to care for them financially when they're older. It's actually quite simple. Mom or dad, in their later years, as they get older and are unable to care for themselves in some way, the way that they are to honor them is to care for them financially. That's what it means to honor. And there's a lot of other ways to honor or even dishonor. That's one of the major ways. Now, Jesus catches on to one of the little, little snafus that these religious people, that the Pharisees are trying to do by asking this question. Now, first and foremost, they, they really want to get at what, what defiles someone. You know, because in their view, hey, look, if you eat with unclean hands, it goes in, you're going to be defiled. And how can you go in the midst of the temple of God and before God's people, a holy God, as the logic would work itself out, if you're defiled and unclean? Even though this is written in a secondary book, it's not written in the Bible. Now, even though all that is going on, Jesus knows that their little murderous, uh, adulterous, wicked hearts are getting at something much different. So Jesus challenges them and, and says, no, 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 wait. How, why is it that you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? In other words, you put your tradition over the command of God. And you ask yourself, how do they do that? Now, your first reading might be a little odd because it says, but you say in verse, five, in verse 5, if anyone tells his father or his mother, what you would have gained from me is given to God. Now, that will need to be explained. It's very simple. It's more straightforward than it looks at first, but it is. And then it goes on. He's quoting. Now, remember, he's quoting their commentary. Look at the next phrase. He need not honor his father. Do you see that? That goes completely contrary to the word of God. And Jesus is calling it out. So for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God. You have made void the word of God with your tradition. Now this is what it looks like. The Pharisee hears his phone ringing. He pulls out his iPhone and he sees that it's his mom. Before he answers, he thinks to himself, oh man, you know, dad died five years ago. I know the money's running out. She's calling. Deep down in his little pharisaical heart, he really loves money. And so before he answers the door, before he answers the phone, he looks around his house and he considers his bank account and he says, I'm declaring all of this devoted to God. You might read Corbin or Corban. That's what that is. That is the idea of I'm devoting all of this to God. So he answers his phone. Oh, hey, Mom. How's it going? It's great to hear from you. Oh, son, I love you so much. I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. It's been tough, you know, without your dad. It's been really tough. It's the first century. It's very difficult. It's really tough. Dirty streets, Roman Empire, you know, you know. Well, here's the thing. I, I'm, I, I, you know, at this point in my life, sometimes toward the end of the month, I have a little bit of a tough time getting the food that I need. You, could you spare 50 bucks so that I could just, you know, kind of have it handled for the last few days and I'm just, oh, mom, I love you so much. Uh, and I'm really, I'm really concerned for you and I love you. I, 
I, unfortunately, I, man, I made an oath to God. I, I gave every, I devoted everything that I had, like, to the Lord. And for that reason, I, I, I'm unable, I, you wouldn't want me to break my oath with the living God. And she's like, oh, I love you so much, and your devotion to God, I would never ask you to go against your conscience. I would never ask you to break an oath with God. The God of, oh, man, shalom to you, peace. And she hangs up. Jesus knows that deep down in their heart, what they're doing is trying to find a way from keeping the commands of God. That's why it says, but you say, in verse 5, but you say, if anyone tells his father or his mother what would have been given from, from me to God, excuse me, what you would have been gained from me is given to God. That's what that means. He need not honor his father, so for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God. And Jesus calls them out, and he sees it for what it is, what it is and he says, you hypocrites. Well, did Isaiah prophesy about you when he said, are you ready to hear some of the scariest words you can hear from the living God? He says, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart, their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrine the commandments of men. In vain do they worship me. They honor me with their lips. They honor me with what they say, but their hearts are completely far from me. They say all kinds of good things about me. They sing truths about me. They listen to Christian radio. They even read their scroll, but their hearts are far from me. And he quotes Isaiah right to them, and he says, well done, did Isaiah. Well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said these things. And so therefore, they are not worshiping. They worship in vain. Do you know what's at the heart of this? They have Jesus, the promised one of God, the one who would fulfill the law and the prophets is before them. The one that would heal people and, and reign and, and wash away sins. And they are rejecting him for the sake of their traditions. Because of the darkness of their hearts. Here they have Jesus at their very feet. They have Jesus right before them. And yet in vain do they worship God. They are not worshiping Jesus. They honor me with their lips. But their hearts are far from me because they reject the Son of God, Jesus. And he goes on to say this. And he called the people to him. He said, come to me, come. Hear and understand. Verse 11. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth that defiles a person. Then the, the disciples came and said to him, do you know that you, you offended the Pharisees? This is terrifying. This is awful. Jesus certainly speaks of their impending doom. That the Father will uproot them. But Jesus, at the heart of what he's saying, he's saying what they say is not true. Jesus, the Father, Jesus says this. He answered, every plant that my Father has not planted will be uprooted. In other words, don't follow him in this. They devoid, they make void the word of God for the sake of their tradition. They care more about their tradition than the very word of God. And they deny God and in vain do they worship him. They're not worshiping in vain do they worship God because they care more about their tradition. And what I mentioned, just like a, dang a dangerous thing before the people of God. Now notice that Jesus certainly, he, he turns away from them. He turns to his people and he says, hey, take note of this. And there's some application that we need to discuss and be aware of and how we can deal with this. But I do want to say, also take note of the very danger of loving tradition over Jesus. Tradition over the word of God. Loving, caring more about tradition, about obeying him. And Peter is scared, and he tells him, hey, look, you know, don't follow them. L let them alone, verse 14. They are blind guides, and if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. They'll fall into a pit. Jesus explained the parable. Are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled, but what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. And this is what defiles a person. So for out of the heart come evil thoughts and murder and adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. 
These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. You guys, there are plenty of traditions. You could do it this way or this way, and it'd be totally legit. We have our own traditions, and we think they're totally legit. You see the liturgy that we do. We read the things we do. But what, the thing that matters more than anything is this right here. It's the Bible. You know, like we do communion like this. We sing songs like this. We do sermons like this. They're traditions. But what really matters is this. It's the word of God. And man, I would just tell you just by way of application, even before I move into the application, know, know this, there's a flexibility that needs to be in our hearts as we deal with traditions that we have because traditions are really good. You might have learned the best method for doing evangelism, as I did, right, when I was 19. But aren't there so many other ways to do it? There absolutely are. There's better ways to do it. There's ways, ways that make more sense in the context of which we're in. Is there better ways to do music in the city that we, no, no, we do it the best. No, there's so many different ways to do it, and, it'd be, and it's perfectly legit. We cannot be at a place where we love our tradition more than we do the word of God. So with that being said, I want to I address just a couple of um, application, like, thoughts out there. So, so number one, I, I, would just, I would offer this up for us as we ponder and we think about this. The number one, that we would keep the word over tradition. That we must keep the word over tradition. Keep the word first. Keep the word central. Traditions are helpful. We, we come from some tradi tr Christian traditions that we're doing, and you see it unfolded on a Sunday. And how we do evangelism, all those are, are their traditions, and they're legit. Number two, beware of worldly traditions. Jesus is warning his people to be very, very, very weary of the Pharisees, he, to be very weary of the traditions that they're coming from. He's doing that right before their eyes. How is Jesus discipling them? He's discipling them in a way that they would understand that the way that they do it is all jacked up. You see, guys, they love tradition over the word of God. In fact, they make the word of God void with how they do it. They have found a creepy way around it to dishonor their mother and father and disobey the word of God and make the word of God void and also worship God in vain and actually not worship God. There's a couple of worldly traditions that I want us to be aware of that actually you hear of all the time. You're aware of, and maybe you do or don't think of it. You know, with the crowd I'm looking at here, we're aware of them. But it's also possible that maybe you're swayed by, by some of the worldly traditions that we're, we're knee-deep in. One of them, Al Mohler rightfully calls the sexual revolution. There's a religion and a tradition among men that has been arising Another, what is called the sexual revolution. And it confuses gender and sexuality that totally ignores the commands of God about human sexuality and gender. And hey, look, I, look I, I, I'm telling you, I, I'm a pastor and I love people and I, I, I want sinners to know Jesus because I'm a sinner that was saved by grace. I mean, it doesn't matter how dark of a place you think you went. Man, I want you to hear the good news of the gospel and God saves. But I also want you to know that doesn't mean that we can just call something right, like gender fluidity. It's not right. You can't let people off the hook for that. Like, hey, dude, you get saved. Like, you know what? So you got to, like, recognize what God says. Because we are not allowed to find some way around the commands of God. You see, because in the beginning, God made us male and female. And so if you're hanging out with us, you're going to start, you're going to learn how to submit under the authority of Scripture and Jesus. Now, it might take you some time. Like, dude, we got all kinds of patience. Dude, you know how jacked up we are? God has so much patience with us, it's ridiculous. We should be, like, annihilated, like, pop, kaboom. Like, we'll have all kinds of patience and all kinds of grace, but you can't hang out with us without hearing, hey, this over here, this is sin. And gender fluidity or what, like, dude, no. No, it doesn't exist. It does from a worldly perspective. I hear you. I see you. I understand what you're saying.
But the scriptures say this. So if you're going to call yourself a disciple of Jesus, Jesus calls you to a life of holiness and trusting him and following him and obeying and not loving your tradition more than the word of God. You see, there was a people in the Bible that loved the tradition over the word of God. They were called the Pharisees. Now, even though you might not consider yourself one of them, if, you are, if you're buying into a worldly idea, loving your tradition, your worldly tradition more than God himself, well, then you're not much different than them. There's a second uh, worldly tradition I would just want us to be aware of. So be aware of, you know, the sexual revolution. It's all around us. Our kids deal with it every day. We deal with it every day. We're trying to figure out how to navigate that. We want to love people the best we can, but we also want to call sin out where sin is. The other one would be, how about this one? Now, both these just sound purely uh, political, but they're not. They're just like the issues of our day. They're the issues of our neighborhood. They're the issues of our school and our households and, and all of life around us. It does not mean that we just go from what restaurant to restaurant calling people out on their sin. That would be completely dumb and inappropriate. That would not be a strategy I would, uh, an evangelism strategy I would put a, a stamp on. But the other one I would say that we need to be, uh, be aware of, a worldly tradition we should be aware of, not only just the sexual revolution, but it would also be the, I would call, the, the mutilation and evacuation of the unborn. I don't, even, I don't even know if I want to call it other things that people want to call it. Like, there's euphemisms for all kinds of stuff, but it, it's actually just a, like a horrific, brutal mutilation and evacuation of an unborn child from the uterus of a person. To put it, like, real. I mean, our culture loves to be authentic. I mean, let's just make it authentic. It's a horrific thing. Abortion. Okay, I get it. It's technical. That's not real. It's like someone, like, something horrific happening. It's like horror film. But for real, beware of worldly traditions that say, call things that are right that are not right. And although we can be in different places politically and, and we can have different perspectives on things, there are things that go contrary to the scriptures, to the word of God. And when those traditions like, take root in our hearts and we believe in those traditions more than we do the word of God, we, become, we are on dangerous ground. Standing against those things, carefully, wisely, graciously, because they're connected to sin. And brothers and sisters, every one of us, oh man, we, we've got sin. we got sin. I mean, we do need to be careful to remove the plank out of our own eye before we remove the speck from someone else. But my, my, the thing I want you to be aware of is not to buy into a worldly tradition that you cave into and believe is right when it is completely contrary to the word of God and something that would defile our worship so that our worship would be in vain. And God and Jesus would say, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from us. Far, 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 far from me, is what God would say. How terrifying are those words? That we would honor him with our words. Can you imagine? There's liberal churches, by the way. You know this, right? When I say liberal, I mean it. I mean they would buy into certain aspects of scripture and want to love God and want to love Jesus, but then say, dude, it's perfectly legit for a woman to have her right to choose. It's not legit to have a person be okay with the mutilation and the evacuation of an unborn child from the uterus of a human being. Or to say, you know, it's okay to, to be sexually fluid and then to teach that and to write books on it and to write children's books on that and, and that be okay. Like that, it's not all right. Be, be aware. Beware of worldly traditions. And Jesus said, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. I'm not saying let's not love the sinner, because that is what we are. Sinners saved by grace. Sinners and saints. But let's not just embrace those things. Number three, avoid hasty disposal of all traditions. Just because we become, uh, become aware, or we, want, and we are warned by Jesus to beware of uh, loving tradition over the word of God, it doesn't mean that we throw out every single tradition that comes up in the church. There's a lot of traditions that we would do that are perfectly legit. You know, at, at branches, we do Lent, and, and we, we, you know, like... 
we, we take communion like this, and we have music like this, and we read liturgy, and like, just because we should be aware of traditions trumping scripture, which we would never want that to happen, scripture is first. But be careful not to just throw out every single tradition. You wouldn't do that in your normal life, would you? Because you become aware of traditions, would you throw out March Madness? Would you throw out a holiday of coming together and on the 4th of July? I don't know, maybe some would. And we're not saying go against your conscience. We're not saying going, going against your conscience. But you know what? Test your conscience and let it bump up against other Christians in branch group, in community, in discussion, in dialogue, in debate. But primarily against the word of God. There are some traditions that are perfectly okay to have. It is okay to have a Super Bowl party. I mean, you wouldn't throw that out. Well, in the same way, there are some traditions in a church that you can do that are, you can do Lent. And it'd be totally legit. You could read liturgy. You could do communion like this. And it's okay. Number four. Guard or Be aware, not beware. Guard or be aware of what comes out of your hearts. You see, Jesus said it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles us. It's what comes out of, it's what comes out of our mouth. It's what comes out of our hearts. Adultery, murder, slander. Like we have to take those things captive. We have to be aware of them. Brothers and sisters, be aware of those things that come out of our mouths because those things are coming out of our hearts. And the things that come out of our hearts, they can be good or they might be evil. You know, look, you know, you understand that as a Christian, you and I, we are going to make some big mistakes. We are going to, we are going to, you know what, Jesus paid for it though. Jesus paid for it. I'm not, I'm not excusing your sin. I'm not excusing my sin. If you are in the midst of sin right now, not right this second, probably. Perhaps, though. Then you need to turn from that. You need to confess that to Jesus. And, you know, man, and it, it should be a burden. It should be like, the Lord is putting this on my heart. I need to stop doing this right now. Whatever it is. You should return from that. Guard and be aware of the things that come out of your heart. Because those are the things that defile a person. It's not what goes into your mouth. Sushi can go into your mouth legit and it is good. For some people that's like disgusting and gross and it defiles them. It's totally legit. It's okay. Shellfish, among other things. Manuvo. There's all kinds of weird stuff you can eat. It's totally okay. Jesus is telling us to be aware, be on guard of what comes out of our heart. So as we walk with Jesus, as disciples of him, there's these things. Look, so keep the word over our tradition. Number two, be aware, beware of worldly traditions that are all around us and developing all the time. Some of them sound like they're just like overly political, but they do, they're just real things, dude. They're getting masked by all kinds of us, but, but at the heart of them, what they are, they are rejection of God and what God's word says. And we cannot buy into them. It can, the world is, it's, it's normal for the world to act like the world. But we're going to be in the world thinking different, responding to God the best we can, worshiping him, because we don't want our worship to be in vain. We don't want Jesus to say, man, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. So, brother, and, um, and, and lastly, look, guard or be aware of what comes out of your heart. Because these are the things that actually defile a person. It's not what goes into their mouth. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, I thank you for my brothers and my sisters in Christ. I pray that you would uh, be with us during this week in just massive ways. That our hearts would just grow more and more toward you. In Jesus' name, amen. We have two things that we're going to be doing right now as we continue in worship. One is that we we um, take communion, but before we take communion, we also, uh, we have an offering right after. We actually pass plates, and you guys are aware. We give because we're Christian. 
You can give online. You can give right here when the plate comes by. If there's something that, you know, a prayer request you have, you can put the, you can put the uh, Connect card in there, and we will take that and read it and pray for you. And then, uh, but before that, we actually come to the table together, unified in Christ, reminded of what Jesus has done for us, his death on the cross. We see this bread and this cup before us, reminders of his body and his blood. The cross was because of our sin, and it was also part of God's gracious, providential, and sovereign hand throughout all of history to do, to purpose and do for us, for our sake and for his glory, and that is the death of Jesus on the cross. This is for Christians. If you are not in Christ, you don't need this. This isn't going to do anything for you. But if you are in Christ, this table's for you. So brothers and sisters, when you're ready, come. Come to the table and receive Jesus. Savior say thy strength indeed is small child of weakness watch and pray find in me thine all in all Jesus paid it all all to him I owe sin left a crimson stain he washed in whiner's soul Lord now indeed I find thy power and thine alone can change the leopard spots paid it all all to him I owe sin has left a crimson stain he washed it white as and when before the snow died my soul to save my lips shall still repeat Jesus paid it all all to him I owe sin has left a crimson stain he washed it
magic word only by the work of Jesus can salvation be secured it is finished he is done it let your weary heart rejoice our redemption is accomplished raise a shout with ragged voice and go to offer there's no penance to complete freely drink of living water without money come and please it is finished it's done it let your weary heart rejoice our redemption is accomplished raise a shout with your weary heart rejoice our redemption is accomplished raise a shout with ragged voice and go bravely into battle knowing he has won the war it is finished lift your head and we your hands for the benediction. May may the sovereign king of the universe be with us powerfully to um, submit to him and proclaim the good news of the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. Go in peace, brothers and sisters.